With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This crowd rises to its feet. Picaro slammed it home. Garland left wing, three ball. Perfect. Garland in front of the lane, locked. The Mobley, pow! And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow! With the left hand and a foul! Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com. You know, it's not always the easiest thing doing these post-game podcasts. Sometimes we have to come up with topics ahead of time, do a little bit of a rundown. You jot down things that are trends that you think, hey, maybe this is going to continue and we'll talk about it. And sometimes those trends that you write down, like Donovan Mitchell mini slump, have to get scrapped because he goes out and does something like this. 71 points for Donovan Mitchell and joining me to discuss is my co-host Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Oh, Justin. Donovan Mitchell, he's a bad man. (laughs) Yes, he is. Oh, my God. He was, uh, I mean, just just an unbelievable night. It's funny, you know. You might think um, if you if you've never you know podcasted before that oh they're going to have limitless material, but there is a there is a inflection point yeah. where it's so crazy that there's nothing <laughs> to talk about. Like he scored seventy one points. Um, you know, it it's just uh, it's it's the best regular season game I've ever seen. Uh, by a Cavalier, uh, by a country mile. Um, he beat the previous high score for a, for a Cavalier by 14 points. Um, I, I just, I, I don't even know where to start, Justin. It was uh, a truly historic evening uh, for, for Mitchell. Um, uh, this is what we, I mean, I wouldn't even no. say this is what don't, they don't traded for. Dare. Don't don't you dare! We 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 never could have expected this no, from anyone. No, we, no, because it never happens. Seventh player to ever hit seventy points, uh, the highest scoring game uh, in the modern era after Kobe, basically. Yeah, it, well, it's the highest scoring game since Kobe's uh, eighty-one point game, which is just remarkable. Um, I think the place to start off with is just how unpredictable this game was, right? Because Don Mitchell did not have a great first half. Uh, the point of attack defense of Io DeSumo and, and Alex Caruso was really bothering him. And he responded with 55 points in the second half in overtime. The previous record was 57 for a game. Uh, when, when you look at the Luka Doncic-like uh, free throw, the missed free throw and, and put that back in, like that is unpredictable. And you know what? That's a little bit of karma. That's a little bit of justice because I hate the fouling up three. You know, let just let it roll, ride it out, defend the three. Let's have those moments because those are some of my favorite moments in basketball. So I'm going to call that a little bit of karma. But this like it, this is a remarkable game because of just how surprising it is, right? Like even looking back to the summer conversations we had, conversations we had with Tony Jones, it's okay. Like Donovan Mitchell, a special uh, personality. You're going to love having him in the locker room. Big question is going to be, can he improve his efficiency? He's only had one league average uh, efficient season in his career. And now you look, this is the most points in a game since Kobe. As I mentioned, 55 in the second half in overtime. First 70-point game with double-digit assists in history. Remarkable. The most efficient 70-point game in history by true shooting percentage. And the fewest field goal attempted 
in a 70-point game in NBA history. Like, if you take Wilt out of the this, I think it's only like Kobe, uh, one other player, and Donovan Mitchell for highest scored in games in NBA history. Like, this is absolutely insane, and the manner in which it happened to me just blows my mind. I mean, he starts the game two for seven, um, still playing pretty bad, you know, after after a, you know a pretty terrible slump to start. Um, uh, you know, in these last few games, then he goes and finishes twenty of twenty-seven. The rest of the way. <laughs> oh my god! You know, it's so funny. Uh, if you're in our disc, ooh wee. Uh, uh, you know, I I just uh, if you're in our Discord, um, I I I kind of made a comment uh, at halftime where I said like, hey, if I'm JB, I'm gonna be like, hey, I'm going up to Donnie. I'm just gonna challenge him. I'm gonna be like, hey. You know how you know how much longer are you gonna let Ao Desunmu and Alex, Alex Caruso, Caruso make us look average? And uh, I don't know if JB said that. <laughs> well, but Mitchell he did must say have he said did something. Yeah, he said he did some screaming and throwing stuff around at halftime, and and, and kind of lit a fire under them. Yeah, it had been five straight games uh, with Mitchell sco- uh, shooting under fifty percent from the field, which he's been very efficient overall this season. Uh, career high in efficiency. I thought the Indiana game was okay. He made up for it by hitting some threes and free throws. Uh, But this was just another level. And you know what? On the one hand, this is what happens with the Cavs if we actually get a decent whistle for a change. And um, (laughs) I'm I'm sure Chicago fans are living in that one. Our our boy Kevin Farragan, NBA Couchside, was not thrilled uh, with the officiating uh, for if uh, as a as a Bulls fan. You know, big big market whistle here, Carter. For once, we we, we got a home arena whistle, which is wonderful. And I I'm just so impressed by this because Chicago came into this game starting off the way that they ended the the previous game, which was an awesome win for the Cavs on New Year's Eve. Uh, I I thought that that was a, a real kind of emotional win. Uh, I know I certainly needed that to to end the losing streak. Um, And they got back into that game with the point of attack defense, with Alex Caruso and Io in in particular, really trying to gum things up. They would blitz every time you did a pick and roll to try to free up Mitchell. They would trap and force him to give up the ball. And that's one of those spots where I think the Cavs have really missed Evan Mobley in these two games, because in those situations, he's the outlet. Like when Indiana tried to do that against Mitchell, uh, it led to passes to to Mobley and he would get his career high in assists there in, in that game. Right. Like he he's that outlet. And I thought they missed Mobley's kind of uh, playmaking in the front court almost as much as they missed Garland's in the backcourt in, in this game or these last two games. But for Mitchell to just say, you know what? I got this. I'm I'm going to put the team on my back. I'm I'm just going to get aggressive. I'm going to blow by that initial point of attack defense. And I just can't get over his motor in this game. Like, I don't know where kind of the reserves of energy were. Maybe it's just, hey, we're scoring. I'm I'm having a my best car- night of my career. Uh, let's just keep this thing rolling. But it, it to me, it's remarkable that he went for that long and still had that much left in the tank because over time might have been the best stretch he had. Yeah, I mean, just the the effort. I mean, the 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 free throw uh, to in regulation. Uh, by the way, everyone hollering about a lane violation. <laughs> First off, you're no fun. Second mm-hmm. off, 
all six players were in the lane upon the release. <laughs> like, right. He was like, the last one to enter the lane. Box out. Like, like the fact, you know, it's funny. Um, it was, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, it, it was this play where he just kind of got underneath everyone else. Um, and, and I just like, it, yeah, t- take when, that small backcourt haters. Yeah. I'll <laughs> Who tell else you, can get well, under the defense? When I was, w- w- when the Cavs played on TNT uh, at halftime, I think it was Kenny. He tried to compare him to uh, to Barry Sanders, the way he kind of stops and starts, and like it was a very running back little move yeah. uh, to to kind of get underneath the defense there um, and, and get that put back. So like you know, uh, it was just insane effort. I just can't believe he had the legs. I just yeah. cannot believe he had the legs to do this. Um, I'll tell you the play that I just fell in love with Donovan on was in overtime when, you know, bulls get the miss and he just takes off yeah. for a transition lamp. The, everyone on the bulls is expecting him to, to pull up and he just goes, he just goes. Yeah. Um, and the, that presence of mind to do that and as well, just to have, have it in him, you know, he, I mean, he's completely exhausting his energy reserves to, to, to get that transition bucket and take a five-point game, which is very much in doubt. And really, I think that's the play that really sealed the game. I think this was the it's, the well, will breaker. Yeah. And I think this is the play I really fell in love with Donovan Mitchell as a Cavalier. It, it absolutely was the play that won the game. Because normally in that situation, when both teams don't have their legs, another uh, one team has a two-possession lead, and they get the rebound with two minutes to go, you usually milk the clock, right? Like you, you walk the ball up, uh, m- maybe even call a timeout and, and try to get a good look there. Uh, we, we've talked about in the past, the Cavs being too slow in those situations. And for Mitchell to get that rebound and go the length of the court end to end, Chicago was not prepared at all for him to, to go to the rim. They were probably expecting him to try to run the clock as well. And to make it a three possession game in that spot, th- Chicago did not have enough in the tank. Uh, to overcome a, a three possession deficit a, at that point like that really sealed it and honestly like we were messaging back and forth preparing for this podcast and I didn't expect the Cavs to win this one even when it was a three-point game I did not expect them to win this one because when you use up that much energy to claw back from down 21 points you're already shorthanded uh, we, we know that this team is top heavy because they have four all-stars or all-star caliber guys or core four, whatever you want to call it. And you're missing two of those guys and you're missing a a key wing player in Dean Wade and you're missing Ricky Rubio. You're missing all these guys to claw back from down 21 and even get it to that point where it's actually in question was a win in itself. And then I, I just didn't think that they had the, energy left to overcome that to actually take the lead uh, against a Chicago team that is playing for their season right like this is a very desperate Chicago team this is a Chicago team that's beat every other top team in the east they've beat Milwaukee they beat Boston they beat Brooklyn Um, they've they've handed a lot of good teams losses and and to come away sweeping this home and home against Chicago I, I think it's not pretty. There's a million things the team could have done better, but this is kind of that that strength and that resolve that you really want to see. And I, I think the Cavs improving to six and zero in overtime is very significant. 
Well, and I want to talk about kind of the players getting gassed because you, you know, you, I completely agreed with you down the stretch. It was like, okay, the bulls have taken the hit and they are counter punching hard. I mean, they, they were getting buckets up to the last 30 seconds of the game uh, <laughs> in regulation. They were, they were hitting, you know, not, not just, you know, not just defensive breakdowns because the Cavs were tired, but some backbreaker type of shots. Uh, you know, DeRozan was amazing in this game. 44 points for him, and no one's going to talk about it, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they they really were hitting, and, you know, I knew once Donnie uh, hit, started finding Jarrett for, for these easy buckets that the Bulls had gotten as gassed as the Cavs were. Mm. Like, that's when I was like, oh, they're breaking. Like, Vucevic can't move his feet the way he needs to anymore uh, when, when they attack in the pick and roll, whether it was Karras, whether it was Donnie uh, ball handling. And at that point I was like, okay, if they just can get the stop, if they can get the lead, they've got this. And that, that totally proved to be true. Obviously no one could have seen 13 overtime points for Donovan Mitchell no. uh, on top of that to get, to get to the 71, but man, I just thought he was so in control too. You know, like there were only a couple of plays uh, down the stretch where he kind of just ran into a brick wall and completely, you know, they completely had to reset. Like he really, really uh, had uh, a, a very firm grip on this game. He was not just gunning. It was crazy. Four turnovers in the game where you, you score 71 points and have an 11 assists outing. Like that's that's absurd. Like you he would have been completely justified to have like eight, nine turnovers in this game and um, like you're, you're right. He was in complete control. And I really thought that that stretch where both IO and Caruso got into foul trouble in the third quarter, that's what really kind of opened the floodgates because once you start to get going, once you have that momentum offensively, it's really hard to turn that off. And we've been on the other side of that, right? Where, Oh, we, we, uh, give up a couple open shots and then all of a sudden people are hitting a bunch of contested ones and it's so hard to stop things, right? Like, uh, the, Bulls, uh, I believe they had given up more than 50 points in the first half of every single game this season. They held the Cavs to 49, and then the Cavs come out and they get 44 points in the third quarter. Like that is ridiculous. That that is such a uh, that's such a strong response. And once you start to get going offensively. You you feel better on the defensive end, like you you start moving uh, without the ball better. I thought the first That's half it. was just so stagnant for the Cavs and yeah. their inability to establish an offensive rhythm. I think it had a negative impact on their game in other areas. And then once Mitchell just said, "You know what, I'm I'm done just trying to get everybody involved. I'm going to make these opportunities happen." And then by virtue of my aggressiveness, I, that's going to open up opportunities for other guys. And Kevin Love, Jetty Osmond, Karis LeVert, all of them hit big threes in that stretch. And all of those opportunities, in my opinion, were created by the aggressiveness of Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, God, what a, what, just, Golly. What a, what a bananas <laughs> game. I mean, and, and, you know, it wasn't just Donnie, which was cool. You know, obviously, Karras had a very, very rough game. Uh, Okoro, I thought, played as good of defense as you can yeah. on DeRozan. Just, Carter, just was getting... I am not shameless enough. I, I Actually, I am shameless enough to complain about the whistle in this <laughs> game. We shot 45 free throws. I, I demand we not. Though, I mean, we only shot 11 more than them. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, like... 
there, there's a lot of crazy aspects to this game. Like, um, I thought Jared Allen had, had a subpar game, right? Like, uh, Kevin Love was absorbing a lot of the rebounds, but I thought Jared had given up a, a few too many opportunities and just wasn't being assertive enough on the yeah, board. Yeah, only had two defensive rebounds. And, and he ended up having really big he, he moments. He closed when the game. Mattered. He closed the game for us. Uh, yeah. I did want to compliment. I know Kevin didn't have the most efficient scoring game. There were a couple threes that got left short that were, that were definitely heartbreakers. I thought he really moved his feet on defense. Uh, they were really trying to attack him uh, in the Vucevic pick and roll. And part of this, I do think, was heavy legs for Vooch. Yeah. So, like, it, it's a bit of chicken and the egg. But, like, the guy kept uh, actions contained. He was hard hedging uh, to, to kind of blow up DeRozan and Levine on the ball before, um, before getting back to Vooch. Very rarely yielded an advantage, like... Our boy was chopping his feet tonight. Let's just say that much. <laughs> it was an all reliable game from Kevin Love, just like the all reliable service we get from Zoom. Support from this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Carter, I don't want to move off of Kevin Love because I... On a night of this much fun, I'm going to have a gripe and I'm going to complain a little bit about the scapegoating of Kevin Love because I I feel like there's been, especially with the Cavs kind of going through a little bit of slump, anytime that there's a bit of slippage, it feels like he gets scapegoated a lot in, in the discourse and especially on the defensive end um, because he is the veteran on this team. He doesn't move as well as everybody else. He, he's making an effort out there. He's trying to draw charges. But people really kind of fixate on that because when he has a lapse and he's not able to get out on the three-point line, it's a little more obvious and evident than other guys missing the rotations. And I, I think it's been kind of overstated because on the year, Kevin Love hasn't been hurting the Cavs defense. Like there will be those individual possessions, but what he's able to give you on the defensive glass in particular, uh, pulling down 16 uh, defensive rebounds in this game, uh, helping limit Chicago to only six offensive rebounds. That really matters. But even for the year, when you look at kind of the on off splits, the Cavs have a 105 defensive rating with Love on the court. Obviously, I'm not crediting him for that. But that's better than their league-best defensive rating for the season. I just think we focus too much on what one guy's doing individually. And even though there's the lapses there, I don't think it is compromising the team's defense. And I I feel like what he still brings as a steadying force, what he brings with his three-point shooting now that his hand is feeling better, uh, what he brings as a veteran in the locker room, and and even just being kind of that outlet uh, that I was talking about with Mobley. Like, they ran offense through Kevin Love uh, a fair bit in this game and and helped alleviate some pressure. I, I feel like his impact and the way that he helps the team is going just a little bit underappreciated in the discourse. Yeah, I mean, I really great two game stretch from Kev and I think he really needed it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think he just really helped settle things down. And then, you know, who else deserves some flowers is Jetty. Uh, yeah. Jetty, I really don't think they come close to winning this game without Jetty. Totally agree. Um, uh, just, just a really high energy incendiary night. Good playmaking. Uh, pushed for easy buckets in transition on a night where those were kind of hard to come by. Um, but man, man, 71 points, 11 <laughs> assists. You know, how freaking hard it is to use up enough possessions to score 71 points and, and have eight rebounds, 11 he, assists. He almost had a triple double. He almost had a 71 point triple double in this game. Like that's, that's absurd. And like, the, the efficiency is just through the roof. And, and obviously, 20 of 25 free throws certainly helps. Uh, there there kind of just came a point where he was asserting his will in, in Chicago, couldn't do anything other than reach in and try to grab him, try to stop him. Obviously, they don't have the best interior defense. Um, no Jermichael Green for them. Uh, I thought he was really good against the Cavs in the first game. Um, but, you know, Donnie was just out of his damn mind. And... So, so just to just to add some more context to the eleven assists. So, Kobe, Kobe's game where he scores eighty one, he had two assists. Will the the game he scored a hundred, he had two assists. Um, uh, Devin Booker's seventy point game, he had six assists. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just it's hard to imagine, and, and so many of Donnie's assists went for threes too. You know, it's yeah. not like he was g- generating, uh, you know, just so, some mid-range pull-ups that are like charity assists. He was generating wide-open threes for this team, um, and it was just so. Uh, uh, I'm just, Bill in the chat here just said Mitchell was responsible for, for 99 points via points and assists, um, which is bananas. Uh, uh, given that Wilt was a pre-three-point era, he would have been responsible 104. So yeah. I would suspect that is the second highest uh, in NBA history, um, yep. which is a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, because like, because I want to say when you would like, we see this on Twitter all the time. Like, no one's gotten this many points, assists, rebounds on yeah, nine the, the free throw young. attempts. Yeah, the Thad Young stats. Yeah, most points created in a game is not a Thad Young stat. No, <laughs> that is that is just um, a, a historic historic output. Um, and it is just, it's just amazing. And this is the high upside, right? That the Cavs were banking on with this trade, because I I think if you're looking at the team when fully healthy, um, I think if the trade doesn't occur, I think the Cavs still would have taken a step forward, right? Like I think Mobley's improved. Uh, Allen's had a few rough games, but I, I think overall, I, I really liked what I've seen. Garland's had a great uh, year. Uh, Larry is obviously having a great year for Utah. But like, even though the, the regular season record may be similar, because in both scenarios, you're a young team that's going to go through growing pains and uh, like you have the talent. This is the kind of stuff that only, like very few players can do this. Donovan Mitchell is that kind seven of guy. specifically. What's that? Uh, seven in the history of the sport <laughs> specifically. I, I think I honestly I think that stat's even crazier because I think it's seven performances and like four of them are wilt. Um, <laughs> but like this, so few guys can do this, and the Cavs now have an eight and zero record without Darius Garland in the lineup, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Donovan Mitchell has been able to carry them, like. The the Cavs last season, if Garland was out of the lineup, there was no real hope of generating good offense in those games. 
And obviously that seven and oh, or sorry, that eight and oh record now is helped by the fact that they've only played one team with a winning record, which was the win over Boston. But how we uh, lost positioning in the standings last year was when we had easy games against teams with a losing record, but injuries caught up. Like you're missing Mobley and Garland, you're missing Garland and Lowry or whatever combination, missing Jared Allen. The fact that you can go out and win these games against teams with losing records without kind of the key to your offense, uh, it's like the, the floor general that you have without the guy, like Garland and Mobley in particular, Mobley is what takes what Jared Allen does as a rim protector to the next level because he is able to play that free safety. He's able to provide the help. Uh, you have the the twin towers, the swarming defense. Garland and Mitchell together, that's what gives you the dynamic offense, having two guys the defense has to account for. And in a game where you only have Allen and you only have Mitchell to come away against a desperate Chicago team with this win and for Mitchell to elevate his game to this level in this moment... This is what it's all about. This is why you have four cornerstones of the team, right? That you can weather the storm. You can play it safe with Mobley going through ankle soreness and, and make sure these guys get healthy. Like this is this is special, special stuff. It it's just it's just crazy. He is a floor and a ceiling raiser. He, this is better than he's ever been yeah. uh, in his career. Um so if you were which, a skeptic, which was part of the bet, right? Yeah, if you were a skeptic coming in, you know, it's f- fair. You know, yeah, I'm raising we my were hand. both skeptics. Yep. Um and man, it's just it's just hard to fathom having a player be this good <laughs> at basketball. Um, you know, and in with so much brightness ahead of this team's future, you know? Yeah. Like they're not even they're they're this good with a player this good. And people are like, yeah, but they should be way better in a couple years. Right. <laughs> like, that's just bananas, man. Like, uh, just Mitchell at, just, just turned, nuts. Mitchell just turned 26 years old. This is when you expect players to start hitting their peak and, like, taking their game to another level. Darius Garland is four years away from that. Evan Mobley's five years away from that. Jared Allen's two years away from that age, right? Like, there is going to be growth, right? Like, these guys are, are hopefully going to narrow the gap and as this team continues to improve internally um you can only expect things to get better and better and honestly like when you see teams make consolidation trades usually from like a supporting cast standpoint it usually takes another year like you you go out and maybe use the mid-level exception on a a three and d wing or or some of that just kind of fill some gaps right like we saw that with the heatles that it took year two when you kind of bring in some vets that that help complement the core Cavs already have like obviously there is still the question of the starting small forward spot but outside of that like jenny osmond is a good wing off the bench kevin love gives you a lot off the bench ricky rubio when he comes back that's a, a nice piece to have. Dean Wade is a really nice piece to have. Isaac Okoro is really coming into his own. Like the Cavs are in a really, really good position. And while you and I don't have them in the tier of contenders, what you want to do is build a situation where you have sustained success and you're in position that if opportunity opens up, if a Warriors like opportunity comes up and, and a bunch of teams have some injuries and stuff like that, you can take advantage of it, right? Like Toronto doesn't win a, a title uh, if there wasn't the injuries, in, in my opinion, but you put yourself in position to take advantage of that. And, and I think that's what the Cavs have done. And right now, the question is, how much can they narrow the gap? 
how much progress can they make in season to put themselves in the best possible position to upset some teams and make some noise in the playoffs? And that's an incredibly exciting place to be in. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm running short on words because I just kind of keep back going back to thinking about where I even was at the beginning of this game where I was just like, I didn't expect them to to win. I didn't Mm -hmm. expect them to play well. And like, so I wasn't upset at halftime or anything, but like, I even was like, man, maybe I might even turn something else on while I, while I watch the game. Cause it doesn't much matter. I ended up, I ended up locking in because I'm like, whatever, you know, we're potting and I really so need to, I really you need to, not even watching the cast. I game. really need, I need, really need to lock in. We're doing a post game pod and I'm just going to have to grip my teeth through this thing. Um, and that is like, that is what having a superstar <laughs> player is. God Are damn. you okay over there? Yeah, just choked on some water. Unlike wow. the Cavs, I, th- I thought you were getting ready to do a bit. No, nope. uh, and uh, but I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I hope you're okay over there. Uh, but yeah, so like that's what that's what having a superstar uh, player does is you're just never out of it, even when by all you know metrics you should be. Like after you know Karras misses his second or third that that possession where Karras had two wide open threes and missed both, and you go okay, it's just not our night, you know, yeah. like. Like there, there was no, a lot of not our night moments, right? Like, yes. That's, yes. That's the wild that thing. DeRozan like 17 footer with like a player draped all over him. Yeah. Uh, I late think that in the was fourth. Isaac. <laughs> yeah. I think it was Isaac as well. Um, man. Uh, yeah. I just thought everyone really dude. DeRozan going gave two, good minutes. DeRozan going two of four from three and, and thank goodness yeah. he had two a, of six. A, what's that? Two of six. Ah, oh, well, in, in regulation. He took a couple two. late ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, e- even him taking that many threes and, and hitting that many, like, that's kind of the, the three-point luck that, that we've been complaining about. I was like, this is ridiculous. Even DeMar DeRozan is hitting threes. We got to we gotta change the sight lines for the opponents. We got to do something in here to, to screw them up. But, um, no, like, it, it's an absolutely historic performance. It wasn't the only uh, historic moment in this game, too, uh, with Kevin Love passing Camby Russell for 10th in franchise history in field goals made. Uh, so big congrats to Kevin Love, uh, who who continues to to be one of my favorite stories with this team. Um, we should probably update uh, from a health standpoint. Uh, Chris Fedor had sent out a report uh, that about a, he's hearing that it's about a week or so until Dean Wade returns. Uh, obviously, no Darius Garland or Rubio in this game, as well as Evan Mobley. Uh, Mobley's ankle soreness, fingers crossed uh, that he'll be back for Phoenix. Garland, I mean... W- it seems like we avoided the worst case scenario of like a, an actual fracture or something like that with his shooting hand. It's a sprained thumb, uh, was the report. Um, I, you know, sprained thumb, that's going to be something, unfortunately, I think that's going to bother him even when he returns to the lineup. Like it it takes usually a a few weeks for that to heal. Uh, so I'm a little bummed out about that. Uh, but encouraged by the fact that he's not wearing a splint on the sideline. Um, I'm looking for any kind of signs of optimism there. Um, but hopefully, you know, that we'll, we'll start to get a little healthy in the near future, because as we mentioned before, January is our toughest month. Uh, so getting these wins against Chicago, uh, these two wins against Chicago after dropping that one against Indy is really, really significant. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, again, like this is a loss that I was expecting. Uh, you know, I was expecting them to split this home and home without Darius. Um, and you know, I wasn't going to be upset about it one bit. Totally understand that that's just, you know, that's how it goes. It's hard to um, beat a team twice. 
hard to beat a team twice, uh, especially down two starters. Um, you know, this Bulls team does have a lot of talent, even though that talent hasn't always meshed particularly well. I think they're a particularly tough matchup for this Cavs team uh, with Ao and Caruso, who I just think are awesome. I think both those players are absolutely awesome players. Yeah. Uh, that that really, really are, you know, kind of tailor-made to make this Cavs team's life hard mm-hmm. because of the way they blow up on-ball actions at the point of attack. Um, and obviously Caruso had some some finishing foibles today. Thank you, Alex, for uh, two biffed free, <laughs> uh, layups. Uh, you know, uh, transition layups. Um, but, you know, like, I, it's, I think it's a tough matchup for us. And uh, the fact that they were able to take both and give them a little bit of a running start uh, especially with uh with Boston and uh and Milwaukee losing last night. Oh, yeah. Uh it it's just really really valuable cuz they're going to go into a tough stretch here and uh to your point Darius might not be healthy for a minute and you know if even if he comes back it's a thumb on your shooting hand it matters. Yeah. Um uh and you know we just we've seen that with Kevin Love um uh coming back from his fractured thumb. Uh so you know giving yourself stealing games you shouldn't get to steal um and even within the context of an within an individual game is just such an important part of of, of an nba season because you're going to lose games you shouldn't lose yeah you know games I, that you I had we've in had control. A, quite a few of those right like that's i honestly like i even though the Cavs didn't play great defense in indiana and i'd probably say bad defense like that's still probably shouldn't have been a loss right like that that was crazy variance and you know it's it is so significant to, to win games like this. And and like even looking at the Brooklyn Nets, who are the hottest team in the league right now, they started this winning streak with some really unimpressive wins against teams that they should be bottom feeders, um, close, close wins that they just kind of scraped out. And then they took those games, they took those wins and built positive momentum from there. And that's obviously my hope with the Cavs. I, like for me... I, I don't have super high hopes for January just because the schedule is so difficult and you have to factor in, hey, maybe Garland's not himself and uh, Mitchell put the team on his back this night, but how, how much gas is he going to have in the tank in two nights? Um, but for me, if the Cavs are still within striking distance of like the one, two seed in the East by the end of January, I don't care if they're the five seed. Like as long as they're, the games back isn't outrageous, you're going to have a really good chance to make up ground in the remaining months and, and make that push. So for me, it's weathering the storm, trying to get as many of these wins as get possible. Healthy. Uh, get healthy. Get healthy. And to me, getting healthy is the most important thing because even if it comes in a loss, those reps together, even in losing efforts, can be really meaningful and it can help build some chemistry and work through the bumps in the road that you're inevitably uh, you're you're going to end up happening happening at some point here. Um, so getting healthy is obviously the the biggest thing for this team. But I'm I'm interested to see how they respond to this adversity because it, it's going to be a real test for them. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Well, I would, I would argue they responded well tonight 
Um, you Big know, one. especially and, with Philly and Indy uh, getting wins tonight, right? Like Boston and, and Milwaukee came back to the pack with, with losses and then Philly and Indiana keep winning behind us. So uh, this, this is a really, really important win. Indy is awesome, man. Uh, I, I think we're going to look back at that loss and go, that wasn't as bad of a loss as it felt like, you know, like you wanted to win it cause you had lost two in a row, but that really was not a bad loss. No, it's uh, not, it's not yeah, a bad it sucked, but I don't think it was a bad loss with, you know, within the larger context. Well, I, I think you could say that about a lot of teams. Cause like even Sacramento, when we lost in Sacramento, that was the win that turned everything around, right? Like they had a few bad losses and they, they felt like the Cavs were a statement win for them. Right. And that got them onto the winning track. The Knicks, bad loss in MSG and they go on a seven, eight game winning streak after that because the Cavs were considered a statement win that helped them build momentum, right? Uh, Brooklyn came in saying, Hey, we want to make a statement tonight in Cleveland. Like this is a measuring stick game. All these games are measuring stick games for the opponents. Like uh, no one is overlooking Cleveland. And, and that's why I think this start to the season has been so impressive because you're getting absolutely everybody's best effort. Um, teams are looking to test to see how good the Cavs are. And I think so far, this has been a, a fantastic start to the year. And honestly, this is a good time for you and I to steal a segment from Locked On Cavs, our, our buddies Chris and Evan, and talk about what in 22, the, the Cavs 2022, Carter, I'm curious to know, what did it mean to you looking back at it? What's your big takeaway from the last calendar year? Um, Just, you know, uh, to me, it is, it wasn't a fluke, you know? And it's not just that they traded for a super-duper star uh, in Donovan Mitchell, but, you know, you know I angst, mm-hmm. as as I tend to do. Yeah. And you know, which is amazing when you don't even watch the games, but proceed. You're so annoying. Uh, and that first half of the year was fun. And I just didn't know, like, like I, I remember we even talked about like, Hey, does it seem scary that Ricky Rubio seems so important to this team's vibe, you know? And, you know, and we, mean, obviously I think both of us were kind of made the argument that that wasn't necessarily the case, that they were, you know, that Ricky wasn't the only reason they were winning these games and, uh, and yeah. that they had a lot of great stuff going for them and that they, they had a great young core and all that fun stuff. But, and you know, and their you, best month at, was after Ricky went down, yes, right? J- January at, after Ricky went down at the end of December. Absolutely. But then things start to fall apart. You know, they really just take some really rough injuries at really rough times. Uh, they, they, and then they flame out, you know, and then you're like, okay, so then they go, they went for the trade. They really went for it. They traded, you know, most of their future leverage to go pick up Donovan Mitchell. And if you're wrong, if this team isn't, you know, what they showed in the first half of the year, that's a really stupid trade. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, if they are, if they were just a fun plucky team that got off to a good start before, coming back to, you know, some form of reality and Darius's, you know, numbers all regress and and Kevin looks old and Jarrett uh Jarrett, you know, comes more of just a, a limited, you know, play finisher kind of player and yeah. Evan stagnates, then oh, maybe, you know, maybe maybe that was a really stupid choice and they and they've just locked themselves into like a second round ceiling at best. I just you know, it's so encouraging that they've come out this year. Uh, having taken that risk and uh, showed that Kobe Altman uh, knew knew what the hell he was doing, uh, proven that JB knows what the hell he's doing, 
uh, and uh, and have really you know stamped themselves as a legit contender. Yeah, a, a team I legitimately go into every single game. Um, with that, you know, with the exception of obviously like schedule loss type of stuff. Yeah. But I go into every single game going, they should probably win or, yeah. or they can, they, or they, have they a certainly good can, they, they, they certainly can win if things break. Right. I didn't feel that last year. There were games where I was like, it would be really cool if they won, but I do not think they will. <laughs> um, you know, cause they, they were just, you know, they were young and untested and they're, it was a house they're, they're money earning their battle scars. Yeah, it really was a house money year. Like to me, if I look back at 2022, uh, the the calendar year for the Cavs, like it's to me the year that we got the message from the Cavs that we're going to try to win another championship, right? Like we're not going to be content with having a good young core that's probably going to be competitive for a very long time. We're serious about trying to win another championship in Cleveland. And to me, like, that's the most exciting thing in the world as a fan, right? Because even though you and I don't expect it this year, I do expect at some point this core is going to contend for a championship. We might even see multiple finals appearances if we're lucky. Like, you might not get there, right? Like, you know that there's the chance for injuries. Um, Some great teams never made it past the conference finals. Like, it, it just happens. But they're going to give it an honest shot. They're going to make a trade for Karis LeVert uh, be, because, hey, we're, we're having some injuries. We need to get ball handling. We need to get some scoring. That obviously didn't work out last year. Uh, combination of, of injuries, weird fit, um, actually probably more injuries than anything else. It, it just didn't work out. But even though you invested in a ball handler to give that secondary playmaking to Darius Garland, it didn't stop them from going out and saying, hey, this might make Levert a little redundant at times, but we're going to go get Donovan Mitchell. We're going to cash in. We're going to get this star because this is the star that's available. We feel like he is a, a fit on the basketball court. We feel like he is a cultural fit, and we're going to prioritize culture, and we're going to prioritize winning and, and you know, make the move that so many teams are, are scared to make and put their chips to the middle of the table, pay what it costs to bring in a star, and to me, it's just so damn exciting because they made that move. Obviously, I had reservations um, about going all in on a guard uh, when, when you haven't solved the issue at the small forward position. But at the same time, man, like it is so rare to get four cornerstone players that all complement each other so well on, on on and off the court. Like from a personality standpoint, Garland and Mitchell seem like such a great pairing. <laughs> Same with Allen and Mobley. Like they all kind of complement each other on and off the court. And to me, the fact that the Cavs are serious about winning a championship and are going to make the moves, they're going to be aggressive. There's going to be some whiffs along the way. There's going to be some heartbreak, but like this is the run. Like I'm going to, th- I, I just, I feel like I'm going to look back at this era, the the Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen Cavs, and it's going to be one of my favorite runs as a Cleveland fan. Like this, this is just such a special moment. And to me, 2022 was the year that that started, where all of a sudden I took my expectations from, hey, it'd be pretty damn cool if we were the grit and grind Grizzlies that yeah. you know yeah. had a few playoff runs. You love this team. Uh, you, you you have these really, really likable players and maybe we get lucky, but you know, we're going to at least be around for a while and we can show that, Hey, the Cavs aren't a laughing matter. They can build a sustain, uh, a team with sustained success. 2022 is the year where those expectations shifted. And 
I never thought I was going to see one championship as a Cleveland fan. And here we are. Maybe we're going to see another, at least another NBA finals. Maybe like that to me, just the possibility of that makes every single night so much more exciting. It makes the discussions we're able to have on the podcast more exciting. It makes the arguments that we have more exciting. And there's weight to everything like this. This is what it's all about. And and I'm just so excited for this journey, man. Well, you know, not to get too, uh, you know, focusing on us sort of thing. But again, I just think about when this team's won in 20, 23 games a year and, uh, we're, we're kind of beating our heads against the wall, trying to figure out what we're going to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. cause it's like, all right, we've made all the same points, yeah. uh, like 46 times. Like it's time like, to pretend we know what's going on in the draft. Yeah. Like, and, and just getting to actually like legitimately kind of, uh, both like talk through the problem solving of, of a long season mm-hmm. and, and kind of figuring out. Oh, this isn't going well. Why is that? What can they do? What you know? What 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 does this team need uh, to kind of tackle the problems they're facing? And uh, also, what is going well? And then sometimes, like just getting to have these kind of just you know, like insane nights where it's like we're not even. I don't think we've said one insightful thing tonight. You know, <laughs> like we're just because we're just so shell shocked by uh, by kind of seeing that kind of greatness in front of us. So. You know, it's just it's just really cool, man. And uh and Donovan Mitchell, he's a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Honestly, that puts a perfect button. That but puts a button on all this. This is great. Uh big thanks to everyone that tuned in live on YouTube. We really appreciate you guys. Hopefully you guys are having as much fun on this ride as we are. Um Good Lord, Donovan Mitchell, man. Just what on earth? Uh, if you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, you can leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send me a screenshot of review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cats.